is what Paul says. Acts 16, verse 25. I don't have time to share the whole story, but Paul and Silas are in prison. And they're in prison for doing good, um, ministering to a, to a, a young girl in, in that town. And, and she gets delivered of, of demons and all of this stuff. And then the town like throws them in prison for this. Acts 16, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. I mean, these guys, they were beat up. They were bloody. They were, this was not like the music wasn't playing softly. There wasn't like a, the Holy Spirit resting in just this amazing, like, Holy Spirit goosebump moment. This wasn't like, you know, like a nice altar call, and everybody's up here. What's my, my phrase I always say? The booger crying at the altar. Like, this wasn't that. This this was nothing inside them probably um, wanted to worship in this moment. And yet they were singing and praising. If you read the whole story, like the jail cells were shaken by God and, and they were freed um, uh, during their worship, which is really cool. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, So what shall I do? This is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. I will pray in my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. Uh, I will sing in my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Another place of, of, of using your lips to glorify God. Ephesians chapter 5. And this is a classic one where we'll talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch this. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, in other words, in comparison to... Uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, the Holy Spirit is much better. Um, I know this sounds so so dumb, but um, I'm going to say it anyways. I heard someone recently say, there's no high like the most high. I mean, that, this is the comparison. This was the, hey, don't get drunk on, on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. But it, watch, in that same breath, he goes on, he says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Paul writes to the church of Colossae, Colossians 3, verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. How? Through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And then the author of Hebrews says this, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Again, out loud, using your lips. And so I I went through a few, man, there is so much more scripture in the Bible, and I thought, I I didn't want to like read the whole Bible to you, so I was just going to pick a a couple verses out. This This is the heart, this is the thought. You know, we were made to worship. Did you know that you were made to worship? Like that was part of your original design. Everyone wondered, like, what's my purpose on earth? Like, why am I put here? What's the whole thing? Does anyone ever wonder that? You're like, what's my, uh, what's my purpose? What's my identity? What's my direction? God, tell me. Well, number one in this broad stroke, you were designed and created by God to worship him. 
And so when you find yourself in moments of worship, whether you're in your car or you're at your house or you're in church or you're, you're just telling him how great he is, or wherever you're at, you are actually coming into agreement with your design. You were created to worship. Isn't that cool? When you sing, when you clap, when you do, whether it's here or there or wherever you're at, when you worship him uh, by praying out loud or declaring out loud or telling him how good he is, you are coming into agreement with your original design. You were created and designed to worship. Um, At some level, worshiping God, glorifying God, worship, at some level, it it involves our physical being. It's It's a body, soul, and spirit thing. We don't just worship with our body. We don't just worship with our spirit or with our soul. This this whole thing. He's like, I want all of you. I want you to worship me with your with your mind, your will, your emotions. I want you to worship me with your spirit. That 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 when you were when you weren't saved, it was dead. But the moment you became saved, it became the Bible says it became alive in Christ. The, that whole regeneration. He's like, I, I want you to worship me. I also want you to worship me with your body. He wants all of you. He wants your body. He wants it all. And, and so, uh, so we, we see this thing in, in all of this, like he, it's not just about this expressive, you know, Pastor Jonathan is way more expressive than, than I am, right? Like it's more than, than just like, hey, when you come into church, you need to raise your hands. It's more than like, like, it's more than all that. It's like, hey, I want your, I want everything of you is what he's saying. I want your emotions and I want your body. Here's this quote I want you to, um, it's a little bit lengthy. A guy named Bob Coughlin um, he's a, a worship guy, and he says this. He says, our bodies naturally reflect uh, what affects us. I cringe when a glass of milk is about to be knocked over. I open my arms wide as my daughter runs to greet me. I jump up from the couch with my hands raised when my team scores the winning goal. Kip and I had this uh, um, moment when uh, watching the Super Bowl together and we were jumping up. Oh my, it was, it was emotional. It was emotional. <sighs> I'm sorry, I digress. I gratefully applaud unselfish acts of service. I cry when a friend's child dies. Is the church the only place where our bodies can't express what our minds are comprehending and our hearts are feeling? Isn't that Interesting. Here's where the rubber meets the road for the New Testament believer. Okay, this is you and me. New Testament is is what we're living in right now. What is the motive behind my physical expression or my lack of physical expression? See, that's where we, this is where we start, we start talking. I mean, we'll sit down and you'll come to my office and you'll say, Pastor Jonathan, I just don't do it that way. And I'm like, all right, well, tell me why. Or, or, or we'll sit down in my office after you ran around the sanctuary and I'm like, I'm like, Hey, why did you do it that way? And you'll tell me why. Like, what, what's the motive? Like, what's going on in your heart that's causing the, the expression or the lack of expression? That's the tension. That's the, where the rubber meets the road for our, the New Testament worshiper. You know this? You know that pride or fear can cause one person to worship expressively and cause another person to have no emotion, to be emotionless? Like, watch, like, I could sit motionless in a worship service while everything else is going on because 
I don't, I, I care about what people think about me. I, I care about, I, I, don't want, I don't want them to look bad about, on me. I don't want to, I don't want to put on a show. I'm, I'm, I wanted to, you know, whether it be pride or whether, whether it be fear, I could sit. And in the same way, I could twirl on the sanctuary and raise my hands and dance and do all of this stuff that, that the Psalms talk about. And it could be because I care about what people think about me and, and I'm afraid of man's opinion. You know, the, they're both wrong. Both of those motives are wrong. And so today, the, the title of the message is Audience of One. Audience of One. What would happen if all of our motives kind of went by the wayside and we found one motive when we came into church or we found one motive when we were in our bedroom or in our car? It doesn't matter. And we just said, you know what? This isn't about what Anna thinks about me, and I really do care about what she thinks, but it's just not about what Anna thinks. It's not about what my wife thinks. It's not about, right? It's not about what you think. It's about God. To the best of my ability, this is for you. And that somewhere with the, the encounter that I'm having, the love that I have for him, that the, the, somehow when my heart gets affected by everything that he's done for me on the cross and everything that he's done for me this week or everything he's going to do for me in the future and my heart somehow finds some emotion in there that I can't help but do something. That's the, the pure place. Or, or I am in awe of who he is and so I stand motionless. I sit almost expressionless because of the overwhelming thought of he's God and I'm not. Where, where's the motive? We're going to talk about that a little bit. Here's the main thought. Is this okay with everybody? Here's the main thought today. My worship is pure before the Lord when he is the only influence of my response. Now, that's not to shoot it at everybody because I'm, I, I'm, I'm part of this. And, but, it, it, you know, we're going we're gonna to probably um, ebb and flow with that. And there's going to be times where, we're, where our worship is more pure than others. But can this be our standard? Could this be the goal that my worship is pure when he's the only motive of my response? Um, you know, just in life, for me, like, I... It, it's not, it hasn't always been an audience of one. Uh, that's probably my, my biggest struggle in life has been what do other people think? Whether it be worship or whether it be just uh, anything that I do. Uh, some of that came out, uh, part, of the, part of the way God gifted me was, was to be expressive. And um, I mean, in, even in high school, I was in drama and theater and people are like do you play basketball i'm like what what like i, I love it seth has that has that shirt i don't know if you've ever seen the shirt or he's like do you play basketball and the other i think the other side do you play mini golf it was like like why are you asking me that but i found that uh that i was naturally that way i enjoyed i enjoyed drama and i enjoyed theater and i enjoyed all those types of things i enjoyed uh, being dramatic and expressive but you know part of it part of it was gifting but part of it was i enjoyed the response 
I enjoyed the reaction. I, I would want to know, was that good or was that bad? Did you like that mom and dad? Did you, you know, uh, you know winning the award or, you know, all of this stuff. I mean, it was about the response. It was about the reaction. And, and it kind of seeped into just even my whole, my, uh, just my whole life is, you know, what do people think? And, and so I don't know if, uh, if you ever struggle with that, but it can affect your worship when you're sitting out there or standing out there and you're doing or not doing and even in the slightest way is it what are they what are they going to think what are they what are they going to do will they are they going to leave are they are more people going to come if i do it this way or don't i mean it, right it, maybe i'm the only one that thinks like that and as i'm Preparing for this message, and evidently the Lord got a, a snowstorm last week so that I could have two weeks on, on thinking about all this. I mean, it's been torture. Audience of one. One of the, one of the stories I feel like is just really um, helpful for this. We started a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, um, King David in, um, in 2 Samuel. And uh, the first part of the story, well, let me read 2 Samuel starting in verse 6. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 6 starting in verse 10, it says this. He, talking about King David, was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And, and if you remember the, the story, uh, King David thought it would be a good idea to go and get the Ark of the Covenant. Well, the Ark of the Covenant represented the, the manifest presence of God. Whereas today, as a New Testament believer, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you have Holy Spirit in you. In the Old Testament, His presence was, uh, was in a location. It was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, obviously, he's, he's omnipresent and he's everywhere, but they didn't have Holy Spirit inside them. They didn't have that. They had, they had a place where they would come, and that repre- the Ark of the Covenant represented that. And so it sounds like a good idea to go get the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was at Abinadab's house, and it was there for a long, long, long time. And King David's like, hey, maybe we should bring it back to Jerusalem. There was a, a, a verse, there's a parallel story of this. Um, it, it, this story is in 2 Samuel 6. It's also in 1 Chronicles 13. And uh, this, is, this was the response in uh, 1 Chronicles 13, verse 4. The whole assembly agreed to do this because it seemed right to all the people. In other words, going and getting the ark was what, we, we, we pulled the audience and everybody, you know, the majority, two-thirds vote, and, every, and, and so the ter- two-thirds vote wins. And so we, we're going to go get the ark. And they did it. They did it. I mean, it was like a parade. It was, they had instruments. They had dancers. They had the crazy flag people. They had all of those things going on. And not, not to knock the crazy flag people. I have a story about that someday. If you want to talk to me about flags. Uh, I remember being, being a, just a young man. And, and I had to use a flag in worship. And it was the most humbling <laughs> moment. We, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk if you want. But they had this whole parade going on, and it was, like, incredible. And, and in that parade, um, the Bible uses, uses uh, um, words and expressions like they, they worshiped with all their might before the Lord. Like, so, I mean, this was, a, this was a, it was for God. 
David realizes later um, what went wrong. So in that story, his friend Uzzah reached out to steady the ark. They put the ark on a cart. And the ark hit like a rock or something and started to tip. And Uzzah thought, hey, I'm going to help. I mean, right? I'm gonna, and so he steadies it. And God, like, God killed him right there on the spot. And in the original language, you go back and forth with scholars. I like the version better where it, where it would say that um, Uzzah exploded because that's, a, um, that's just a little bit more dramatic. But uh, either way, he died. And King David gets offended that 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 would happen, and and he's offended. He's he's he, there's fear that takes over. I don't know what it was. It, all of these insecure. That was his friend. We're doing this for you, God. Whatever was going on, all this parade, the 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 music, the dancing, and everything, and and then Uzzah dies, and so they. Uh, the Bible says here, the verse that I had on the on the on the screen, the Second Samuel six ten. He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of, of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Whatever it was, whatever was going on in David, whatever the emotions were, whatever the fears, the insecurities, the offense, he, he decided, we're not bringing the presence of God close because when the presence of God came close, look what happened. And so he... He made that choice. It was interesting. Uh, you know, the, 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 first, the first time, going and getting the Ark of the Covenant that first time, it, was, um, it wasn't all wrong motives. I mean, it was, in fact, it was probably good motives in a lot of ways. But it, but it was really about the people. The people thought it would be good to go do it. And so they did this. It was just a mixture. How many know that, that there's times in our worship that, it, that it, there's a mixture? That, that, it, that it's in, uh, hi Lydia, we love you. That's my baby. That there's times when, it's a, when, there is a, when there's a mixture where it's not all, it's, it's about God, it's just not all about God. It, it, I, I'm here for him and I'm also here for you. And, and, and uh, I worship, but I don't really like that song or I don't really like that style, but uh, you know, so I worship more that, you know, where it's just, it's, it's kind of pure. It's just not all the way pure. And that's what was happening there with King David and all the people. It was about him. It just wasn't all about him. Sometimes we convince ourselves that it's all about God. But it's he that really knows the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. Uh, I, mean, th- th- I mean, this is true. I, I, I bet if we were to just talk that, you know... Uh, you know, the last time that you worshiped, man, was it all about God? You're like, yeah, that was all about God, right? Sometimes we, but it's this place where we have to come, and in a little bit we're going to have communion. Where, where King David said in the Psalms, he says, search me and know me. Would you take your big light and examine it, like shine it on my heart? Would you show me if there's anything that's just not pure, that's, that's, uh, that's hindering my worship because I want it all about you? I don't want it just part about you or mostly about you. I want it all about you. I remember, um, uh, oh, I don't know. I was probably 20. This is, probably, this is like 17, 18 years ago. 
and I was uh, I was an intern studying, um, you know, to to be in the ministry and all of those things. And we were um, myself and, and a bunch of us. We were at a church ministering at this church, and this church happened to have three services. There was um, and the three services were three different flavors. There was the um, there was the tradition the traditional service. There was the celebration service, and then there was the contemporary service. And the three different services were based on style of music. And um, my favorite style was the contemporary service because it was the modern music. But the service that I encountered God the most was the traditional service that had hymns and, and, uh, and old choruses. And this is, as I, as I think about it, like you, this, is, this is me processing. I, I don't think it had to do with um, how much God showed up in one service over the other. I think it was because it was harder for me in the traditional service. I had to force myself to say, God, this is all about you. This isn't about my preferences. This isn't about the song I like. This isn't about the, anything else. This is all about you. I think that God encountered me in the traditional service because I put it all aside. It's just really interesting when, when we can just purely before God say, it really is all, it really is all about you. The, the story goes on. And uh, verse 11, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. Remember, like, you and I have Holy Spirit in, in us, if you know Jesus as your Savior. And um, they didn't have that back then. This was a big deal to have the ark, the, the place where God's manifest presence was. This was in his house. This is in his house. And so the ark remained there for three months and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. I, I just, do you ever just sit there and you're reading scripture and you're just like wondering about it? Like what did that look like? Like I wonder what it would have looked like for Obed-Edom's household to be blessed. I mean, was it financial? Was it like for those three months, did it, was it like winning the lottery? <laughs> you know, was it like, like I, we can't do anything wrong. We're just like, like the, it's just rolling in. We just, uh, you know, yesterday there was zero in our bank account and now there's like millions. Like, well, I don't know. Was it like that? I don't know. I don't know. Was it his crops? I mean, did all of a sudden for three months, like he had the best crops in the land? Like they like grew overnight, you know? Or like, how did that happen? It was like Jack and the Beanstalk stuff. And you know, like, was it like that? Was it his livestock? Was it, you know, did he have the best, uh, I mean, like best marriage? Was it like, like his, did it, was it his kids and his family? Was it his friends? Like what did how did the presence of God like bless him? Like what did it look like? I'll tell you this, what we do know is the verse goes on and it's however he was blessed, David heard about it. King David heard about it. He was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of the Lord. David heard about this. There was the testimony that came in of three months of the ark of the covenant being at David's at um, Obed-Edom's house. And, uh, and so David heard about it. And um, it, it, it was interesting. It, you know, David was offended. And so he dropped the Ark of the Covenant off at Obed-Edom's house. And now he hears about the blessing and he's stuck in this tension. Um, do I still want to play it safe? Do I still want to play it safe? I, I remember what happened. 
Do I, do I, how many of us play it safe with God? And David had that choice right there. He's like, man, I want that. I want that. There's, I mean, the, the testimonies, the, 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 the Facebook feed, the Instagram feeds, whatever it is, is like, and, and you know, the news reports, and, and you know, the, the guy comes, David, there is so much happening. You remember the Ark of the Covenant three months ago, Uzzah? Um, like, there's something going on. David, I think he looked, I think he wanted it. I think everybody wanted it, but there was this moment where David had to choose. I want that more than my comfort. I want that more than my safety zone that I'm in. There was the unintended consequences of playing it safe was missing out on the blessings of God for three months. So David went to bring up the ark of God, and as the verse goes on, um, to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. Three months earlier, he drops it off in a fence, and three months later, something shifts in his heart, and he picks it up with rejoicing. That was pretty cool. Things had shifted in his heart during that time. It goes on, and... Uh, Verse 13, when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and, and a fattened calf. And I like this because um, the parade now starts with David and all the people making things right before God. Hey, we're sorry for the way we did it before when it wasn't all about you. And so this blood sacrifice, now they're, before they even start the parade, before there's any music, before there's anything, we're going to take some time here in a few minutes with communion, with the ultimate, remembering the ultimate blood sacrifice of Jesus. That's what they did right there. They took six steps and said, God, um, we're sorry. Sorry for anything that we've, that we've done that was, that was all about us because we want this all about you. We want this worship. Man, when you look at the two, uh, the two times, the first time he went to get the ark and the second time he went to get the ark, the only thing that was really different was the sacrifice. I mean, there was, I mean, it was like the same instruments and the same music and the same worshiping with all their might and the same all this, and, but there was the sacrifice here. And this was that place where they say, hey, let's just get our hearts in the right place because we don't want to do it the way we did it before. We remember Uzzah. So he took six steps. He sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Verse 14, um, wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with, with shouts and the sound of trumpets. And, and this is just interesting, you know, and I, I don't know if you've heard this story before. I used to, when I was a kid, like, I don't know, maybe the Sunday school teacher said, um, David was dancing in his underwear. And I, and I it stuck in my head for a long, long time, and then I studied it, and I realized, well, it probably wasn't his underwear. But it, I like that story better, but this probably wasn't that. And uh, he was dancing in a linen ephod, which was um, uh, it was first of all the um, in, well. Let's go to let's go to First Chronicles, um, verse fifteen. This was the parallel story. It says, "Now David was clothed in a robe of fine linen, 
as were all the Levites who were carrying the ark, and, and as were the musicians and uh, Kenaniah, who was in charge of the singing of the choirs. Man, there was musicians, there was a choir. I mean, this was, this was dramatic. David also wore a linen ephod. And, and so anyways, it, this is, this is all, all we need to know right now, is that he was dressed like everybody else. He, he, he took off his kingly garments. He didn't come before God as King David. He came before God as just David. Man, that's, that may be the other thing that separated this parade from the other parade was this time King David didn't come as King David. He came as just David. Man, when I'm worshiping God, it's not Pastor Jonathan. When, when I'm in prayer, I, there has never been once that God has ever called me Pastor Jonathan. <laughs> There's never been once that he's called me Daddy, Father. He hasn't called me Boss. He hasn't called me manager. He hasn't called me by any title other than maybe he's called me son. And he's called me Jonathan. It all fades away. It all fades away. When it's just you and him. When it's just an audience of one. It doesn't matter your accomplishments. You could have done so much with your life and now you're coming before him with all the titles and all the accomplishments you could have wasted your life and you're coming to him with all of the junk and all of the the hurt and the pain you could have had all of the education or none of the education you could have had had all of the success or all of the failure It, it, it all fades away when you're in worship and prayer because he calls you son or daughter The other thing, when I, when I see this picture, and man, and I'm just visual, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching this parade. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've watched any of the, the Eagles, uh, um, Philadelphia Eagles parade that just happened. And I mean, and they're like, like, like hundreds and thousands of people are in the streets. And I don't know. I'm, this is way better. And, and there's this parade and all of these people and, and the instruments and the flags and the dancing and the singing and King David is like twirling. And I mean, it's like, it's like all on like Donkey Kong. But when I look at this story, his, David's physical response in dancing isn't prescriptive, it's descriptive. Watch this. The Bible isn't saying in order to like be all in with God that you need to dance like David danced. He's saying, you see that heart that David had where he just laid it all down, where he wasn't King David anymore, he was just David? You, you, you need to do that. It was, it was descriptive. It was, it's a story that's describing the heart of... I think that there's some people with the heart of David that are going to be expressive and are going to dance and, and are going to raise hands and are going to do different things. And, and I would be shocked if, if that didn't happen. But he's saying, hey, 
man, David got something right here. Um, this, is, this is descriptive of what we need to do in worship. Hmm. Verse 16, it goes on, and as the, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, so, he's there, so they're bringing it back, and now they're coming into Jerusalem. Michael, daughter of Saul, watched him from a window. And first of all, this is David's wife. And I thought it was really interesting that the Bible calls her Michael, daughter of Saul, instead of David's wife. But, but it's an interesting story here. She, she watched from a window as the worship was happening, as the parade was happening, as the expression was happening, as it was just all out, audience of one before God, she watched from a window. Man, we do this sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes we watch from the window. Sometimes we, we observe while everybody else is worshiping. We watch from the window. We um, sometimes evaluate. Do I like it? Do I not like it? Do I like the song? Do I not like the song? Do I like the style? Do I not like the style? Do I feel comfortable? Do I not feel comfortable? Sometimes we watch from the window. I think the Lord's inviting us. Man, there's been some times I've watched from the window. You know when I've watched from the window the most is when I'm not at Spirit of Life Church, when I'm on vacation or at a conference and I go to another environment where there's worship and I'm not Pastor Jonathan anymore. There's times when I've sat there and I've watched from the window until the Lord's like, hey, hey, you should get your worship on. Sometimes, I don't know, I don't, we never know the motives. But if you're one that watches from the window, can you just maybe hear the Father inviting you to walk down the stairs and get in the parade and worship? She watched from the window. And it goes on, it says, and when she saw King David, her husband, when she saw King David leaping and dancing, I was going to try that. Um, I decided I'd save you or myself from the embarrassment. She saw him leaping and dancing before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. Man. Man, I, I, I hope that's none of us. I, I, I don't know of anybody that, that, that would do this. But this was a huge moment in her life, in the timeline of Michael's life, that uh, David's, David's wife, when she saw what was going on and she despised him in her heart. It's, it's one thing to choose to express worship in a different way than someone else. And it's a whole nother thing to not participate and just watch from the window. I think what was going on in her heart was she saw King David not being kingly. This isn't proper. Like, you're the king. You're supposed to be kingly. You're supposed to be... It's supposed to look a certain way, David. And she she saw it going in a certain way. And she's like, this is not... This isn't, this isn't worship. This is, this is something else. 
Verse 20, when David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said this. She said this to her husband, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in in view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. By the way, he wasn't half naked, but she's being sarcastic here. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father. Let me just say a little bit of marriage advice. Um, Okay, you got it. Who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. And this is the part of the story where David's heart is fully exposed, where we get an insight into what was really going on. He, 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 was, he was saying, man, worship is about an audience of one. This was before the Lord. This wasn't before you. This wasn't before them. And this second time around when King David is bringing the ark back in Jerusalem, his heart was in the right place. It was all for him. It was all about him. It was all before him. Our worship isn't pure before the Lord if we're influenced in the slightest way by people to respond or not respond in a certain way. It goes on, verse 22. I will become even more undignified and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. He again, he's saying, before God, I'm not king, I'm just David. And, and I'll, even, uh, I'll even be more humiliated. I'll, 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 if I have to, I'm going to do something even more than this because it's not about me, it's all about God. I'll become even more unkingly. Uh, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I just want God. In verse 23, and Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. We don't know exactly why she didn't bear more children. They may have just not had um, sexual relations un- until the day they died. Like, it may have been like that, you know, maybe they were just done. Um, it, may have been, it may have been something from the Lord. We don't, ha- we don't know that. But what we do know is that her not bearing children was directly connected to her despising her husband's worship. That's what we do know. And I'm not saying that something like this is going to happen to you if you despise worship. But what I am saying is that extravagant worship is full of life and produces life. And we can absolutely stop that flow by not worshiping. When you get abandoned before God and everything else fades away and it's an audience of one and when you are worshiping and praising him and saying it's all about you it's not about me it's not about them it's just about you there is life in that and it produces life and when you despise that like Michael did it shuts off that life and that flow man that's a good word right there Jesus Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're gonna um, we're gonna go come in to a time of of communion here, and um, and actually, uh, uh, those of you that are that are helping me serve, you guys could come right now.
And the way we, the way we do communion here um, usually is, is just like this, where uh, there's a, some servers up at these tables, and you'll come forward when you're ready, um, and you'll break off a piece of bread, and you'll dip it in the cup, and then you'll, and you'll eat it if you're wanting to do that. And communion is a time where we remember not just what happened with Jesus, but also we just remember that he's still doing it today. It's not, it, it's, a, it's a remembrance of an event, but it's also saying that event still has power in my life. We're coming before him and Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body that was broken for you. I like to look at it and say, man, his body was broken for my brokenness. Man, all of the stuff that is not right, that's broken in my life. I come to the table and I take the bread that represents his body and as I eat that, this is, man, it was his brokenness for my brokenness. And then, and then the cup, he took the cup and, and he says, take it and drink it. This is my blood that was spilled, that was poured out for you. And, and I think about that and there's life in the blood. That's where, that's where the life was. It's his life for my life. So every time I do this, it's not that like I get saved again. It's not like, you know, like, man, my salvation is secure, but it's this place where I'm saying, God, my brokenness is yours and I take your body and I'm, and I'm free and I'm healed and, and things are set right and I'm taking your life. I mean, it doesn't make sense. I don't deserve it. There's, man, I... In fact, and if you're sitting in this room and you just don't know, you say, Pastor Jonathan, I don't know if, if I were to die today, if I would go to heaven. This is a moment where you can say, just, just right here in your heart, you can just say this. Say, Jesus, I just want you. I'm sorry for all of the wrong things I've done. I've done. I'm, I, I'm sorry for it, all of the sin, all of the brokenness, all of my failures, all the things that I've done. I'm just sorry for that, God. And I accept your forgiveness and your love and your grace. Wouldn't that be just amazing as right before you take communion, if you make things right with God and you come, and now the bread, I mean, it's like an immediate thing. It's like, man, now, like it's his brokenness. I just got saved. It's his brokenness for my brokenness. It's his life for my life. And if you said a prayer like that just now and in your heart and, um, I just want you to come and find me or find, find somebody here during the service. We've got a Bible for you on your Connect card. You can, uh, you can check that you received Jesus, and we'd love to call you and just talk to you more about a life in Christ and what that's like. And for you and for the rest of us, could this be a moment unlike any other moment you've had in church? The, the, the Sunday where we flipped the, the service on its head and we did the sermon first and then the worship? Where, where you come to the table and this time it's saying, Jesus, I, I've got to have this right before I worship. I, it, this needs to be an audience of one. It's been about this or that. It, it's even been like 10% not you and 90% you. God, I just need it 100% you. When you come to this table this morning, would you just make sure that it's an audience of one today? And she's going to play here. And they're going to play for a few minutes. And could we stand before the Lord.
when you're ready, would you come? And in a few minutes, when people have have taken communion, we're going to go into an all-out praise time of the Lord. And it's during that time where you get to decide, what does it look like for you and the Lord to be an audience of one? God bless you. Let's do this. all about you. I lay it all down. Your brokenness for my brokenness. Your life for my life. Jesus. So good. moment in the story when King David and all of the people sacrificed that bull, that blood offering, and they said, we're going to do it right this time. Lord, even as we take communion this morning, we're, going to, we're doing it right. Right now, we're setting things right as we get ready to worship you with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our soul. Lord, we're setting it right.
alignment with miracles in this room right now. Lord, healing over physical bodies, breakthrough over people's finances, breakthrough in marriage, breakthrough over those areas of bondage that we've been just trying to get better in and we just can't do it in our own strength. Lord, I thank you for freedom over those areas that we just keep praying about and keep praying about and it's just been hard. Lord, breakthrough over areas of sin. Jesus. breakthrough over caring too much about what other people think. We worship you, Lord. Wow, wow, wow. Jesus. Even as people are finishing up and the communion servers are going to stay right here, we're going to shift here in just a second. You guys ready to worship? Come on. I'm just imagining this parade Imagine what David's feeling like when he's like, wait a minute, that blessing, that blessing's mine. I'm going to go and get, I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to do whatever it takes. King of all kings, Lord of all lords. We worship you. Whoa, Jesus. We're going to go for maybe, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes. At some point, I'll come up and just let you know you can leave or you can stay. Just whatever you're going to do. But could you just not worry about anybody else? Audience of one, let's worship the Lord. Celebrate Him. I was buried beneath my shame. Carry that kind of weight. It was my turn to lie I was breathing, but not alive. All my fingers I tried to hide. Oh 